Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. More than 8,000 yards rushing, 68 touchdowns, 126 games in his career, 114 of them in Jacksonville, a dozen with uh, his hometown Oakland Raiders, now part of the NFL Network, still think part of the uh, Rams broadcasting crew, and uh, one of our favorites uh, here in Jacksonville, Brent Martin, along with Austin Lane and Maurice Jones-Drew joins us. What's up, man? I'm doing well, Brent. How's the family? Family is fantastic. Still waiting for them to grow a little bit, but uh, outside of that, doing great. <laughs> yeah, genetics are something tough. And Austin, what's going on, man? It's been a long time Whoa, no see. Long time no see, man. I'm doing fantastic. What about yourself? You know, working, 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 working. I hear you on that. All right. Who's the best uh, Maurice Jones-Drew kid in terms of athletic ability? Which one? Uh, it's uh, it's my daughter right now. She is... Uh, <laughs> Backflipping, cartwheels, the whole nine. She can do it all. So, my two boys though are very athletic, but sister right now takes the takes the crown as of as of a couple of days ago. So we'll see. Every day we're competing. All right. We're uh, by the way, consider this part of the background check on Austin Lane. I mean, we're only like five months into this thing. So uh, if you've got any dirt that we need to know about from the the playing days with Austin, uh, please let us know. We're all set. I think. Oh. Austin, I mean, he went into MMA because every day he got into a fight at practice. <laughs> right? And right, he was kicking butt in practice, so he was like, it was time to, to go professional. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with him. He's yeah. right. He, yeah. he actually often Me and Evan Britton. Yeah, him and Evan Britton went at it quite a bit, it sounded like. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think it might have been every third day. It was unreal. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Hey, how are you enjoying? Uh, we're going to talk about the football days, and thanks for joining us to be part of this uh, 25th year celebration for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. But how you you seem like you always had a plan that that you wanted to do what you're doing after football. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And and how is it going? Uh, being an analyst on NFL Network and being part of that that Rams broadcast team. Oh, yeah. No, it's funny. My agent used to always tell me, you know, uh, once you start the NFL, you're on the back uh, end of your career, which, you know, it sucks to hear, but it's true. And so uh, we put a plan together and we continued to focus on that plan. When I was in Jacksonville, I had a radio show at 1010XL and Mike Dempsey. Um, we did the the, um, the Jaguars TV show for two years, uh, did the broadcast boot camp, ended up going to SiriusXM, having a, a radio deal while I was playing the whole time and just kind of helped you know, prepare me, you know, uh, for retirement or the life after football. And Austin can tell you it's, it's tough sometimes, you know, for guys that are used to having your day so structured and used to all the things that, that come with being an NFL player being there. And then one day it's gone. And so, um, you know, it's something that definitely helped me as being at the NFL network, I'm around people talk football all the time, uh, a game that I love, a thing that I love. I used to tell my wife all the time. I felt like I was cheating on football with her. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's how, that's how I cared about the game. And so, being able to talk football and just, you know, learn different ins and outs and then obviously being a part of the Rams broadcast, which is still being a part of the Rams team. We travel with the team, stay in the same hotel as the team, get to know the players. Uh, my first year, we had played against, I think I had played against like 25 or 30 of the players on the roster, which was pretty cool, right? So we had a, a relationship there. And um, 
you know, just kept me a part of the game. And, that, and that's what's important is you're always a part of, you know, you always want to be a part of a team in, in some way, shape, or form because that's what we're used to when you, you know, I've been playing, I was playing football for 21 years before I retired. And so uh, always to be a part of a team is something that was important to me. That's what's crazy about you guys. I say this all the time. I mean, you're only, what, 34 years old? Yeah, you're aging me, man. No, but seriously, <laughs> 34 years old is young. I think, what, Stuart, you're over here. You turn 34 tomorrow? Yeah, 34th birthday I mean, tomorrow. Austin's 31. But when it comes to, like, football players, like, I feel like you've been around forever, Mojo. You know what well, I mean? I mean, I retired at 29. Yeah, I, I retired at 29. So it was uh, it was eight great years in Jacksonville and one in, um, in Oakland, and – well, it was it. And so at 29 years old, I had to figure out what, what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And, you know, so many times, you know, <clears throat> we, we we were so focused on football, it's hard to kind of do other things. But, you know, that, that's part of it. And I, I was just blessed and fortunate enough to have people around me to help me guide me in a, in a way where I can still, you know, be around something that I love, love to do. Um, I'm at NFL Network now on my off day prepping for tomorrow's show and a couple articles that I'm going to write. And, and those are, you know, just part of the life now. I, I enjoy it. I, I should have been um, – well, I, we, me and you were cool, but Vito, Delina, I should have probably got more advice from him uh, instead of being so mean to him, right? Yeah, he can I give you way feeling. more advice than I can. Yeah. Being cool with Brent got me this job. <laughs> yeah, the relationships are cool, man. They, 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 It's funny. They work out in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. I, I brought this up uh, – uh, earlier in the show when we were talking about you. And I think, and I want to get your thoughts on it, but I, I think you were the most national player this franchise has ever had. And what I mean by that, you kind of transcend Jacksonville. You go you go to Seattle. You go to Green Bay. You talk to a Packers fan, a Patriots fan, a, an Arizona Cardinals fan. They knew who Maurice Jones-Drew was. And I'm not sure, even the good years of the early Jaguars, from Brunel to Jimmy Smith, Tony Baselli to Fred Taylor, I'm not sure that was always the case. In fact, I still think being in Jacksonville sometimes hurts like Baselli from a Hall of Fame standpoint. But because of the onset of fantasy football and your early success, I thought you had really the, the most national brand of a Jacksonville Jaguar. Uh, did you sense that? Did you feel that, that, that you were bigger than just a football player in Jacksonville? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say uh, I felt bigger than anyone. I mean, first of all, you know, part of the reason people didn't know Tony Baselli because he went to the other school. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so that, 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 it always plays down. Um, no, they didn't just you know win happened? a softball championship, did they? <laughs> exactly. And they're not going to probably do what usually they'll do in baseball, but it happens. But, um, the, the funny thing was fantasy football came in. A lot of people didn't really uh, accept it. It wasn't accepted. It was something that I did with my friends back home to keep in contact with. And I just accepted it. I was like, look, people are going to do it regardless might as well be a, the, one of the first players to go out there and, and, and say, like, I'm for fantasy football. And, and, and that helped transcend the game. I think in Jacksonville and Zero, Mike Sims Walker became a household name uh, for a couple of years. Mercedes Lewis, when he when you know we were playing together, doing well. Uh, David Garrard, I mean, we started getting names because we were scoring points and the guys were seeing us, we were celebrating. And then all of a sudden the red zone came on and you could start to see different people. And, you know, I just I just came at the right time and, and had a lot of good people around me that, uh, that allowed me to – you know, in the off season to kind of go out there and, and then do my thing on the, on the TV side. I mean, Jack, uh, Coach Del Rio did a great job of just really letting me go out. You know, there's some coaches that will say, uh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, Jack was different because he was a player's coach. He was a player. And he understood that, you know, you know we, have, we have a brand that we have to build. And so part of that 
that brand was going out there and aligning with fantasy football. I want to say it was, it was in the Jets game that we came out and said it, and a lot of people yeah. uh, lost because we took a knee. Yes. But <laughs> it, it kind of put us on it put us on on the map in Jacksonville, which was huge. And so people started to check us out, and I, and I felt like fantasy football allowed us to our fan base to grow and uh, and helped our organization as well. I was going to bring that up. That Jets game that was reminiscent of what Todd Gurley did, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I told Todd I was like, hey man, like. Just next time you do it, just put my name on it. Put some respect <laughs> on my name and say, like, MJD did it a little bit. Now, uh, you know, Todd, it's funny, being with the Rams and seeing how they play the game and how they practice and what they do, um, they're very innovative and they're they're really in tune to the situations of football. And so, uh, from what I heard, um, when they were in the huddle, all the linemen were telling Todd, like, when you break this one, you better take a knee because everyone knew what was going on. And so uh, – he did. He, he did what he was supposed to do, which was pretty awesome, right? He, he comes back a couple of years later, and everyone's excited about it. First of all, Mo, I love how you call Jack the Rio players coach because you never had to do Oklahoma drills like I did. So, okay, <laughs> by all means, call him a players coach. But uh, but I got to ask you, you know, so you spent some time with the Rams. You're covering them and everything. And you, you look at Sean McVay's offense now that he's implemented, the RPO offense. Um, there's no doubt it's, it's, it's been a game changer so far. But my question is, do you think it has the staying power in the NFL or is it kind of just a fad, kind of like the wildcat and the read option were? Well, well, first, Austin, I'll tell you this. My rookie year, I did, I did the Oklahoma drill with everybody. I was a running back. So <laughs> did you win? When you came in, I was a little more seasoned. Um, <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> so, so it, it, you know, they, they definitely put me in. I won one, and then I was a runner for the rest of them. So, you know, I, I did my, I did my, uh, my dirty work. Earned his uh, You know, the, the funny thing, the funny thing about Sean McVay is every year it's something different, right? It's not the same thing over and over again. When he first came and was a coach of the Rams. Um, they didn't do the fly sweep motion. They did some different things. And, and he's very – he's a, a guy that likes to go out and get knowledge, and he'll find different ways to go out and and um, and better his team, better his, his offense. And so I think he just keeps evolving as the game evolves. So last year you saw everyone running the fly motion, handing the ball off, doing all those things because they saw how successful it was with Sean McVay. Well, then he comes back with, you know, the old uh, – um, Geno Smith played a Tavon Austin little quick pitch, yeah. right, where you tap it to the guy. So he, they were just finding different ways to be innovative, and I think it'll continue to go as long as he stays ahead of the time. Now, once the time catches up to him, I think you you eventually have to go back to having a fullback, which you saw in the Super Bowl, where the Patriots end up going back to getting a fullback who's going downhill and wearing down the, the Rams' defense and then scoring that, that last drive. And so those are things that you, you I think they'll learn from and they'll continue to work on, but as an innovative coach, a guy that takes offense very seriously, some of the things that they'll be doing this year, it's going to be exciting to see because he is now the face of offense and, and what he's able to do. And, and there's a lot of uh, people always looking, and he always has something under his sleeve. Speaking of Sean McVay, uh, you know, he's recently said that Todd Gurley is going to get a lot less reps during the regular season to try to save him a little bit. I mean, you kind of look at the landscape now the NFL, Mo, and you got, you got Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, possibly David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and Melvin Gordon that are going to be like the toted bell cows. Uh, and everybody else, it's going to be kind of by committee. And you're a guy who split time with Fred Taylor, and you've also been the bell call as well. So you've been in both scenarios. Uh, from your opinion, do you prefer more of the committee approach of the way to do things or do you just prefer just to be the bell cow especially we're talking about career longevity yeah so obviously when you're talking about longevity you want to definitely do the the committee that's the best way to go i thought that when we and brent you were there you saw it firsthand Mm -hmm. Uh, it was myself fred taylor lebrandon tofield greg jones we had a ton of guys uh derek winbush montel owens i mean we would go into games with five or six backs up 
and uh, it would, it would, you know, we would tear it. Like we would run on anyone. I remember we played Tampa, uh, and David got hurt. We started Quinn Gray, and we ran the ball 17 straight times and won a game in Tampa against a really good Tampa Buccaneers team. So I think the committee way is the way to go, but you still be a bell cow. And I think people don't understand what bell cow really means. Some people say, oh, well, you got to carry the ball 30 times a game. Well, yeah, that's pretty tough to do, right? 30 times on the 16-game season, I don't care who you are, you're going to wear down and break down. Um, I think if you, you, you acquire 18 to 20 touches, you're a bell cow because now – you become a game changer. And I think that's what you're going to see with Todd Gurley. I still think that Todd is going to be a bell cow back when the game's online. He's going to get the ball in a four-minute situation. Um, when, you know, two-minute, he'll be a guy out there making plays. But like Coach McVay said, last year they ran him so much that towards the end of the year he started to wear down. And you don't want that because, again, you're trying to make a run throughout the playoffs. So you, your job is – and it's a fine line that you have to deal with with running backs is, you know, it's kind of like you want to use them to keep them, to keep them, you know, um, not rusty and keep them up and on, on edge. But then you don't want to use them too much where you wear them down. And so uh, I think Todd will still be a bell cow. I think uh, Le'Veon will be a bell cow, but I don't think Le'Veon is going to carry the ball 30 times a game like he was doing before in Pittsburgh where he's having 400 touches in a season, back-to-back season. That's going to be tough to do. Former Jaguars great Maurice Jones-Drew with us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 here in Jacksonville. All right, rapid fire. I'd love to keep you forever, but we can't do that. Uh, you've got things to do, and our show ends at 6. Uh, Nick Foles, you love it or not so much? I, well, I, t- I text you. I know. And, you know, my, what, what did I what, what my text? People don't know that we talk all the time. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I lean on you on some for some of my information. You're my source. Uh, but I think talking to a lot of people in the building, they, they love Nick Foles. I, I love it. I think if he can come in there and put the ball where it needs to be and they can lean on their, their running game and not have so many three and outs, uh, that defense will get back to where it was two years ago and they'll be ready to make a run. Blake Bortles, uh, I know this is kind of a year stop in, in L.A. it looks like. Uh, will he start in the NFL again? Oh, I think he will. All right. Do you want me to elaborate on it, or just, just... no? I was just I was just waiting <laughs> to see good. if you were going to. I like it. So you think you will? Well, well, well I'll, I'll, I'll I'll say this: There's so many different coaches that come out of the Rams organization, as you saw the last couple of years. Yeah. If they continue to have success, I think he'll go to a. If there's a coach that leaves there and goes to a new team, and they don't have a established quarterback, you'll bring Blake there for a couple of years to get your team up and going, and then uh, you know that's kind of where he'll get his start at. Well, I got one more question here before we wrap up. Uh, one of the craziest stories I have of you was in the locker room, and I forgot what game it was, but uh, I couldn't help but notice, and you didn't really wear headphones a lot, if I'm not mistaken. You listen to a lot of music, but one game you had your headphones in, and it was so loud, and, and it was Evanescence, Bring Me Back to Life, which uh, <laughs> yes. was was the last yes. song I ever pictured you listening to. So so my question is, what what's another track, what's another song that people might be surprised that gets you pumped up before a game or a workout now? Well, I went I went uh, to De La Salle High School, which is uh, arguably the greatest high school in, in America. Um, but that's where I, I got a lot of those songs from that pump you up. One of my favorite songs ever is Phil Collins, uh, In the Air of the Night. I think yeah. everyone enjoys okay. that. Okay. And then also Lunatic Fringe. It's okay. another good one that you you know you can catch me checking out every now and then. Very good. Uh, all right, two more to end. I brought this up earlier in the show. I always thought there was a little friction between you and the fan base later in your career because of your holdout um, and the 38-day holdout. I've always defended that because I thought you were toward the end. That was your last chance to get money and get paid in a, in a career that wasn't going to last very long. What 
can you take us back to that time? Did, did that? Did you feel oh, yeah. that from the fan base? Were were you at all put off? Has that been mended? Do the fans still love you in Jacksonville from your point of view? What what do you? How do you view that time? And uh, I mean, I think they love you here in Jacksonville. I'm just asking you from your point of view. Yeah, you know, I felt like I tried to explain to people why, you know, the whole reason of it. It wasn't nothing personal. It was strictly business at that point. Coming off a 400-touch year, um, leading the league in rushing, all those different things, and you were starting to see guys that I was outperforming getting paid more than me. So in that situation, I think everyone would want their just due or what they felt they were owed. Um, and there was just some miscommunication um, that we didn't – or we just didn't have the communication with the organization the way – I felt we should, and so as a player, the only way you can handle that is by not by withholding your services. So that's what I did. Um, granted, I came back week one. We were playing really well, uh, running the ball well, and breaking my foot, and, and that kind of that was kind of how it was. But you're right; I knew I was coming up to the end. I was 27 at the time, 26, yeah. 27, and you know, <clears throat> running backs are going to play unless you're Frank Gore. Which I'm still trying. I got to text Frank to see what he's been taking <laughs> or what he got going on because he's still playing at a high level right now. Um, and that's a guy I trained with, but you know, unless you're Frank Gord major or Adrian Peterson, majority of us, by the time you turn 30, 31, you starting to, you know, you're really like trying to push it at that point. And you know, that's where injuries happen. So you're right in that situation. I just, I just wanted to be, to get paid what I felt I should have. And it wasn't like asking for a bunch of money. It just didn't happen. And so I think people took it as I didn't want to be in Jacksonville, but I had nothing to do with it. That's why I didn't if you remember that holdout. I never spoke. Yeah. Right, which I is just, unusual just, for you. <laughs> right, I, just, I literally, right, I, I, I would literally, I was working out training so I could be the best when I came back. But I, you know, I had to make sure that, um, you know, we were, we were there. And so, I, I, even though when I come back, though, I still see people all the time. Uh, I'm actually uh, going to host a camp next year. We're working on that with a couple people and and doing a golf tournament again, like we did right before I left. Um, and I want, I've been trying to figure out a way to get that back going and find the perfect time. And I think we found it. So. I'll be back and working with, you know, the different charities that I was working with in the hospital as well. And I still feel like we, we have a, a – we, we still our, – our relationship has been mended. Yeah, I do too. I, I just – I remember that time. And I, I, I kind of remember taking it your side in that too. And then it was uh, – you don't get many chances to get paid in the NFL, especially as a running back. So I, I kind of understood it. Uh, and now we got to get you in the pride of the Jaguars. Would that mean something to you if that were to happen down the road? Oh, man, that would mean everything. You know, you – I, I was just talking to Derek Marks on the video game the other day, and we were, you know, I know we didn't win the way we thought we should have and the things that we wanted to do, but we worked our butt off. And, you know, we did it for that city. Um, I know a lot of people in, the, in Jacksonville, like, they would see us out. We would always be cordial with them. Uh, Austin, you know, that was something I prided myself on being that locker, in that locker room was to make sure that we were we were visible in the city, that people could see us. Absolutely. Because it meant a lot to the people of Jacksonville. And so – um, being in the pride would, would, would definitely, you know, uh, be that final piece that everyone I think is waiting for. And it's something that we were all trying to get to at one point. And it wouldn't just be for me. It would be for all the guys that, that I, that I played with and, you know, all the, the guys that, you know, we put in that hard work for. So, uh, it would, it would mean a lot. Yeah. I think it will happen down the road. Uh, last one, uh, favorite memory from Jacksonville. Do you have one? Uh, the best quote, by the way, is Jeff Fisher about you rolling, rolling ball of butcher knives, uh, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I, favorite memory, well, obviously, it's the one time, the one playoff we went to. and uh, But it wasn't, I mean, beating Pittsburgh twice, but that was awesome. But I think it was being in that divisional round and going against Tom Brady, the team that was undefeated, and then having them where we wanted them 
and you know, and just missing out and, and being that close. So that that to me is something I always tell people like you never know when your time will be, so you have to you have to make sure you savor every moment. And then obviously being with the Rams last year and seeing them go to the Super Bowl, play in the same the guy that I played against and then seeing how the, the Patriots still were able to find a way. I mean, that memory, I, I'll never forget going to Foxborough, it being raining cold, like freezing uh, rain and how cold it was and us being right there when we had a chance to, to take the game over. Um, yeah, that moment always will live with me. Yeah, well, a great career here in Jacksonville. We appreciate you stopping by, man. I know you're busy. Uh, have fun on NFL Network. Tell the family hello, and I hope you have a good summer. I will. I appreciate it. Any, any, I'll be, just call me anytime you want. I'll, I'll definitely come on and love to talk Jack. Absolutely. We'll do it when the season starts. Maurice Jones-Drew, one of the Jaguars greats. Thanks, bud. Good talking to you, man. All right, guys. See you guys later. See you later. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, uh, good to catch up with him on a lot of different fronts.